0: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 97 with guest Hannah Marcotti. All links and resources you hear on this episode can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 97.
1: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Dear
0: hey, Ass Kickers, thank you for being here for another episode of the podcast. I have one of my favorite people. I say that about all the girls, don't I? But I am so excited to bring you this conversation. It was such a rich and just wisdom-dropping Episode. I just adore Hannah and I really, really think that you're going to adore her too. But before we get started, just real quick, I would love to ask you a favor if you haven't done so already. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, I would absolutely be so grateful if you would go and leave a rating and review either in iTunes or in Stitcher. And you may be like, I don't know how to do that. So that's fine because I don't either. So if you go to the show notes, we have carefully laid out a step-by-step process on how to do this. It should take you no longer than two minutes. So if you go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash nine 97, you scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and there is a step-by-step Process on how to do that easy peasy. We laid it out for you, so I appreciate so much if you do that. The other thing I wanted to tell you about is if you haven't already, the new website has been up for a while now at yourkickasslife.com, and on it you can get a free ebook and audio version of new content that I put out called how the shit talking in your head is making you crazy and three ways to change it. It's like a little mini ebook for you. And again, I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like audio. So I've created it in audio too. So if you don't want to sit down and read it, you don't have to. Easiest way to get that is at yourkickasslife.com forward slash free. And you can easily get that in your inbox. Easy peasy. So moving on to tell you a little bit about Hannah Hannah Marcotti is a storyteller, a magic maker, a high vibration shapeshifter. She is the one who records the details in photo and words and then spins them into tellings of future becomings in the feeling world. She's a free spirit that longs to guide yours when you desire compassion, lifting, sorting, surrender, awakening, creating, dreaming, action, permission and the essence of your own knowing which is magic she is a woman wrapping story and prayer into words as teachings that want to settle inside of you and become the inspiration for your next story and prayer how amazing is that i mean come on that's like poetry right there so i know you'll love hannah so without further ado here she is okay welcome ass kickers we are here on episode 97 with my friend hannah marcotti hannah thank you so much for being here Thank you for having me. 97 97
2: episodes.
0: Goodness. I hope hope your feelings aren't hurt that it's taken me 97 episodes to finally have you on. That's amazing.
2: (laughs) I'm in awe of that. That's
0: awesome. Well, thank you. I have to thank my ass kickers too for hanging on and and listening to me. So I have had success in the podcast and keep bringing them amazing people like you. And I'm happy to have you on to talk about several things. I have a list of questions for you. I want to start. Because you know, every time I have someone on, I spend a couple of hours on their website and stalking them out and reading new posts and old posts and watching their videos. And I love your about page. Your about page really pulled me in. And it reads like poetry. It was so beautiful. So from the beginning, so people can get to know you better. Tell them about yourself specifically when there was a turning point in your life where you made decisions to change?
2: Any story you want. Mm, I love that. So I was, I think I was 37. I'm 41 now. And my marriage got rocked to the core. And I felt like everything that was in my life at that time could have a complete redo. I felt like I had this opening to be anything I wanted to do anything I wanted to for the first time, really, really think about myself. I'd been in relationship since I was 19. And one of the things that I had never done, because I didn't think that my husband at the time liked it, he had made some comments, you know, in college, he probably doesn't even remember making this comment, but something about not liking nose rings. And so, you know, this really huge thing had happened and I was, I was just in this whirlwind. And the first thought I had was, go get your nose pierced. <laughs> go get your nose pierced. Like, finally, for the first time, do the thing that you want. Just go get your nose pierced. And it was one of the scariest things I ever did. And I walked in and I got it. I felt like for the first time when I looked in a mirror, I saw who I really was. It was that major for me. Well, it sounds like it didn't really have a
0: whole lot to do with the actual nose piercing, more so the symbolism of giving yourself permission to
2: do what the hell you wanted to do. Yeah. Nobody else's voice in my head.
0: That's so interesting that So do you think that when, like all those years before, when you had like kind of wanted to get your nose pierced, do you think that you just kind of pushed the thought out of your mind? Or did you really realize and have the conversation? Well, he wouldn't like it. Or, you know, my parents might think it's weird
2: and stuff like that. I always had the conversation. I always believed then that I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to. It was this, you know, very deep belief that If other people don't like certain things, then I am not allowed to do that. I'm not supposed to make anyone unhappy. I'm not supposed to go against, you know. I'm a huge nurturer, and it took me a very long time to be able to kind of dissect. Being a nurturer and losing myself inside of nurturing, you know, giving. Mm. So that was a very, very hard line to find it, you know, back in the day.
0: I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to that. Just being the nurturer and never really giving themselves permission to nurture themselves.
2: And not even knowing sometimes what you want. You know, I was very clear on what I wanted always. Very, very clear. And just felt like the permission piece was missing. Which I think is why so many women who are doing, you know, similar things to what we're doing speak in permission. You know, you have permission to feel, to do, to act, to Mm -hmm. want, to desire, you know, all those things. That word permission, I notice comes up a lot. So much, (laughs) so much. So was that like a...
0: After you did that, was it kind of like a free-for-all or was that just like sort of dipping your toe in and did you get in slowly after that or what else happened after that? Seems like Total free-for-all. was a free-for-all.
2: Oh, was totally it? free-for-all, tattoos. <laughs> I grew out my hair. I started becoming the person who, you know, I was at some point, but I had lost for so many years. Total free-for-all. I was so clear that anything I wanted, any way I needed to take care of myself, any way I wanted to express myself was allowed to come out because I didn't have to live these separate pieces of who I was anymore. It was this, like, I am going to integrate and to integrate, there's this one part of me that has not been allowed in quotes Uh to come forth. And now she's going to come forth and she's probably going to be the most seen and heard version And once she came and she was given permission to be, it was like every other piece of me just fell into place. It was pretty wild.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, so on that same topic, and I know that you are very open about leaving your marriage. So would
2: you mind telling us about that? Not at all. So that was definitely a journey. So it did start, you know, many, many years ago and we were committed to, if we said, okay, we're done. We want to be able to say that we tried and did and loved as hard as we could Uh and using hard in a really beautiful way, but it was a lot of work. And so we did the work and it's very much like the nose ring, like the tattoos, like all the things that I was able to do to be able to say, I give myself permission to say goodbye to release this marriage. That was the most freeing moment I think I've ever had because I did not feel like I was allowed to do that either. You know, there were so many things that I just wasn't allowed to do. You're not allowed to do these things. And we, I'm really proud of us. It definitely hasn't been easy, but I'm very proud of how we've done it through a lot of love and a lot of support. And co-parenting is really hard, but we're working on it. And, you know, it took about a year and a half to complete sort of that piece. And it feels like a new soul contract. You know, he and I had a soul contract for about 24 years. And then now it's a new soul contract and it's based on parenting and at some point, probably will you know continue in a friendship that is brand new, and just trying to support each other through what's really possibly you know other than death, one of the most difficult things you can go through.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Shopify's
0: already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea. You don't really hear that story as being the common one with people divorcing. (laughs) I have actually heard of a couple people have amicable divorces, and I think that just says a lot about, I'm assuming, making up that. There's been a lot of boundary setting for
2: both of you yeah. and a lot of communication. Yes. Mm-hmm. Boundaries are amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> and never are boundaries wiped away more so in every part of your life than when you are leaving a marriage. It's like everyone in your world all of a sudden doesn't understand boundaries anymore. And you have to now create a whole new set of boundaries. It's amazing how it filters out into every single part of your
0: life.
3: Every
2: relationship you have with
3: people. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: yeah. I remember when I was going through my divorce, I was so thankful to talk to people that didn't know my husband. Yes. And just like, can we, A, can we just not talk about that? What's happening? And B, can you just be like a new person in my life that doesn't know that history and like, doesn't know all of that junk?
2: Yes. And I think, I think there can be so much judgment placed around people who do go on to create these new, new lives with people who weren't there before. And one of the reasons you have to do it is because that world is no longer what it was and it will never be what it was. And it is just so beautiful to be in a space where you can be that new iteration of yourself without the judgment because the judgment is there whether people want to do it or not. Uh
0: Well, I think a lot of times it touches on their own pain and it touches on their own fears. Yes, I felt like there were some people in my life that were afraid to talk to me as if they were going to catch it. Like, you know, and mine was pretty dramatic. My husband had an affair and I felt like, I mean, like these were some of my, my girls, you know, that I had been friends with for a long time. I felt like they were not there for me because again, it it was too uncomfortable for them to talk about. They didn't know what to say. We didn't have that thing in common anymore. And they were afraid (laughs) that I was going to like rub off on them or something. It was very awkward.
2: You do. And it is interest. If you do look at oftentimes there are groups of women in friendships or, you know, families and there is sort of that divorce after effect where you notice other people in your life are doing it. And I think that creates that fear of catching it. But really, again, it goes back to permission, right? Oh my uh-huh. goodness. She made it. She made it to the other side. She's okay. Her children are okay. She's happy. You know, uh-huh. like you see it and then you go, wow. Wow. And that's, you know, that was definitely the story for me. I had to watch other people. I had to watch people go through it and to believe that I could do it, believe that I could do it. Yeah. I want to ask you one more question about your divorce and then
0: and move on to another topic. I think that what I see sometimes in divorce or breakups and even the breakup of a friendship, it doesn't necessarily have to be an intimate relationship. Can you tell us about what the grieving process looked like for you? either when you were still married or when you decided to
2: split up or what did that look like for you? How did you honor it? It was devastating. It was, it was so many things, you know, it was one of the things that I say is it's like, it's like having extreme joy and extreme devastation all at the same time, which is really bizarre Mm -hmm. because you are feeling like you've made this beautiful decision for yourself and that you're starting to, you know, walk into this life that you were meant to walk into by honoring, you know, closing a relationship and you can't stop crying and you, you know, you're kind of fading from the world and your relationships are strained because you are depressed. You are anxiety ridden. You know, there was so much. I did a lot of cocooning that helped a lot. I cried. I cried so much. It's unbelievable to me now. Sometimes I cannot believe that a body can cry so much. Mm -hmm. The grief for me was a lot of truth telling. So I talked about as openly as I could, was still being very, very sensitive to Patrick's needs and his privacy. He's always been very open to me sharing anything online. He's always given me permission for that. So it's been really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So truth telling, storytelling, that was probably the number one way that I was able to grieve in a way that felt really consistent to who I was. Without that, I think I would have really suffered. I had to keep giving myself, you know, check-ins, check-ins, constant Mm check-ins, you know, where are you? Who is in your world right now? You know, where is the love coming from? How are you supporting yourself? You know, all these things. And I would just keep doing the check-ins and I don't know. That's a, it's a tough question to answer. I hope I did it. Justice. No, I, you, <laughs> you did.
0: And, Cause I think that everyone's journey look is different. And the reason I asked it is I think that what I see fairly often, and, and it was in my own experience as well, is that we have these moments where we lose someone and, we try as quickly as possible to get to the other side. Yeah. I've told the story a few times on my podcast that when I was immediately, you know, knew I was actually getting divorced and I walked into my therapist's office and she knew me very well at that point. And I sat down and I said, and I was serious. And I said, tell me how long it's going to take for me to get through this. Mm. Cause I was ready to like mark it on my calendar. Cause I thought that was reasonable. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. reasonable question. <laughs> when will this, be and this feeling like, be over? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I don't know. And yeah. I really didn't grieve until years later. You know, I numbed it all out. I had a woman in one of my group programs asked, you know, she was grieving the loss of a friendship and she was like, I'm just tired of being sad about this. Like I want to get to that happy place. And I was like, well, have you really honored your grief? Like, have you, like you were saying, like, have you cried as much as you think you can cry? Have you told your story to someone who has earned the right to hear it? Like, those are the things that grief actually asks of us. I had a woman on a couple weeks ago who was an expert on death, grief and dying. And I just don't think it's a conversation we have enough. And I don't think that grief is an emotion that we honor enough.
2: No. And as we're grieving, we are also holding the grief of our, you know, eh. we're holding the grief of children, we're holding the grief of families. So there's so much grief that is, you know, all around it. And one of the things that my partner, my beloved, my lover now, who's also going through the same thing, just not as beautiful He says that, you know, we release each other in different times Mm -hmm. and part of the grief process is part of the release. And I found that, again, that timeline, you just don't know what it will look like. Mm -hmm. And I was able to release much quicker than my ex-husband was because I think I allowed myself to feel it all and not try to stop feeling any of it. Mm-hmm. And his was much slower. His feelings came so much slower. So by the time he actually started to feel it, I was already pretty good. Like I was like, wow, I think either of those is wrong. No. And so the timing, you just have no clue what that's going to look like. And, and so I was so happy that I was sort of through my grieving process, even though you're never really done, when he was just starting to go into his so that I could hold, you know, help kind of hold his space for that. So no, the timeline is just, it is wild. But I think the more we allow ourselves to feel, you know, the more present we can be to anything that's going on around us.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for being so transparent about that. I want to shift gears now and talk about your work on the topic of highly sensitive people. Let's start from the beginning. For someone that has never heard that term before, can you tell us who that is and describe that for us?
2: The best example that I give is if you think of a child who gets dressed in the morning and nothing feels right. It's not the way they look. It's how they feel. So this might be the child that can't have any seams on any clothing or socks. They started making socks special for children like this. Okay. It is someone who feels the So sounds and scents and crowded spaces, loud noises, things like that. It's a person who needs, after a really overwhelming day, needs to go and hide out and cocoon in their own space. It's different than an introvert, but a lot of similarities. And many people who are highly sensitive can think that they're introverted, but I gain energy being around people, but I'm highly sensitive. So I might have an event or something that goes on I gain so much energy from it, but then I can't really talk anybody for a week. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I have to regenerate. So highly sensitive. There's so many different facets of it. The best way to start the conversation is sort of talking about that child who can't wear a certain pair of pants or socks because of the way it feels. It's just that, that deep, deep sensitivity. You'd be thinking about it all day long and you just wouldn't be able to do it. So that's just a very, very brief, brief description.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I read the book, the highly sensitive person and my gosh, that was published a long time ago. Cause yeah. I remember it had already been in print for a while when I bought it probably like an Oh five or 06. And I read it and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is, they're talking about my life. And I gave a copy to my dad cause they were talking about his life too. And and what's interesting, and I think I've talked to you about this online a little bit, is that, you know, my son has high functioning autism, and yeah. we were going through all of his testing and diagnosis when he was five. He was also diagnosed with something called sensory processing disorder and which is, is a mental illness and I hate that term. I need a different term for it. But yeah. I the book The Out of Sync Child was recommended to me and I cried when I read that book.
2: Oh I love it. Because
0: I was like, This is how I've felt. Like all of my life, and I always just thought I was weird. What's interesting is my son and I don't have the clothing thing for us. He's actually sensory-seeking, and I'm not as much, so he'll, if someone has long hair, he'll touch their hair, and he doesn't even realize he's doing it. I talked to him this morning about it, like his pants, which are the correct size, they're jeans, and he won't button them. So he leaves them unzipped and unbuttoned, and I'm like, honey, you cannot... Walk around school with your pants undone like that and your green underwear showing. You just can't. Oh, he's <laughs> in second grade, so I've now bought him these pants at Old Navy that have like elastic waist. But, but yeah, for he and I, it's the same thing. It's sound and it's yeah. sight mostly. Yes. You know, you can get a medical diagnosis of it, but that highly sensitive person, man, I think that it is more common than we know. <laughs> Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use EarnIn for anything you need to therapy visits, rent, or even extra self help books. Make EarnIn a part of your financial routine and join EarnIn's over 3.5 million customers who say things like When I think about EarnIn, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind.
1: It's
2: so much more common. And I also think that it's so misunderstood even now with all of the information out there and all the tests and all the things, it's still sort of like, eh, nice. That's a nice excuse. You know, Mm -hmm. I still feel like that's in the world, you know, and I think it's going to take us a little longer before people really, truly kind of understand people. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing.
0: (laughs) So what sort of, what sort of work do you do with highly sensitive people specifically?
2: So what I've noticed is that almost every single person that I mean maybe 85 90 I don't know but it seems like every single woman who gravitates towards me is highly sensitive and I find that they're highly sensitive in disguise like most do not know and they're fighting against that even when they read what it is and they you know look at the questions and things like that. Yeah, Hannah, you're highly sensitive, but I'm not. I am no way like you. You know, you hear that a lot. And so there's for me it's a lot of peeling. You have to peel a lot of old stuff to be able to get to that place of understanding. Some people just melt right away. They read it and they go, "Oh my goodness, this is me. My whole life like the story you were telling." Accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's a lot of resistance to it because, you know, people who are sensitive and feelers aren't We aren't really, you know, we get a bad rap and we've had a bad rap for a long time. There are stories of, you know, most women have stories that start in third grade or younger. And it's all wrapped into that. And we have to do a lot of peeling away, a lot of storytelling. And sometimes the work all comes out in story. So I do a lot of prompting and I ask questions and I, you know, give all these little different things to do. And often it's in the telling of stories where someone will say, you know, this, this, oh my goodness, maybe I am. Once someone realizes they are, I think it's easy from then on out. It is so easy because it's like you can just write a little step-by-step plan out. It's one of the easiest things to deal with, I think, when you have full understanding of it for your own body. You know, you know how to dress. You know how to schedule your calendar or not mm-hmm. schedule your calendar. You know what events you can go to, not go to. You know what foods work. You know what restaurants work. You just all of a sudden there's like this like roadmap for your, you know, what you can do rather than being an overwhelm all the time what people like you might have been avoid. before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty amazing you can sort of work on creating a life that supports that this highly sensitive, you know, these needs that you have. And I just find it is so beautiful to watch someone kind of come into that discovery. It's fascinating. So we talk about clothes, we talk about food, we talk about, you know, every bit and piece of life. And it's just amazing how it all kind of comes together.
0: The word that kept coming up when you were saying that for me is acceptance. Yeah, And I hear you, you know, for anyone listening, I can attest to what you were saying, because in 03, I was diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder. It was a combination of feeling like you were saying, or like it was a feeling of relief, A, because I thought I was going crazy. So, it was yep. like, OK, I'm not crazy. But at the same time, I was devastated because I felt like something was wrong. And now I have this quote unquote illness and I'm different from everybody else. So I wonder if it's sort of the same with the people that you work with. And its I think that culturally, and I think biologically, we don't want to feel different. You know, in the caveman days, it meant imminent death. I wonder now if being highly sensitive and at the same time resilient, I wonder if that's really, like, how we are all meant to be. Like, we're all meant to, you know, be kind of knocked over sometimes with emotions. We're not meant to be in these sports bars where there's 12 TVs going. And (laughs) that is my worst
2: nightmare. You you are so right on that one. (laughs) And, like, so much
0: going on and so much sound. And I just, I can't eat, like, let alone, like, sit there and have a conversation. I think that that acceptance piece for me has been huge. And just also being able to practice self-compassion and self-kindness. And like you said, like the logistics of it, just, okay, Okay. I can't be around this person. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. When you deal with the logistics, this is the fascinating part of it to me is when you deal with the logistics, all of a sudden, everything has an ease to it that wasn't there before. You know, I had the same diagnosis. I think it was before I had my third baby Panic disorder, anxiety, like all the things. ADD. Found out I had ADD. Had no idea ADD, but oh my goodness, do I ever! And I think so many people who are highly sensitive have all of these underlying parts of us because we were never taught how to manage living inside of a highly sensitive body. Mm -hmm. And you know, because highly sensitive are already all about feeling and all about you know the emotion and all that. I find that my job is really to kind of go in and work on things like, you know, the actions that we take to support ourselves, the way we can really just create this really beautiful sacred rituals and all of these beautiful things to support ourselves, because we get the feeling part. We get it because uh-huh. we've been living inside of this for so long. We know the feelings, you know. I think highly sensitives have a really, really beautiful connection to intuition. We have this ability to have downloads that a lot of Mm -hmm. people don't have the same access to. And you can certainly learn it. But we just are because we are so open and so raw. We just have that beautiful connection. I like to focus on the things that are so positive about it. But there's that other side where we get the panic attacks and we have the anxiety and, you know, we often are more prone to depression, things like that. So it's just really and kind of see how everybody learns to accept it and then to how to create it that piece of them and turn it into the gift, you know, I hear about mm-hmm. your superpowers all the time. Like, how is that now? How is this now your gift? Because it really is. It really is a gift.
0: Yeah. I love that you ended on that. I absolutely love that. And you also mentioned rituals and I know you talk a lot about the importance of rituals. So why is this so important? And tell us like, what advice would you have for a really busy woman to start?
2: So the first thing you do is you make your bed and you make your bed every single day. That is my I that's my bed every point. day. Every single I didn't, day. I did as a kid. Every, or, every morning. Yeah. And there's some people have a lot of resistance to this. But it's one of the ways that for me that you kind of take your future self and you say to your future self, this is how I'm going to take care of you. And a highly sensitive person needs a lot of tending a lot of nurturing. And we need to provide that for ourselves. And so I believe in beauty. So a made bed that's gorgeous. And you look at that and you walk by it and it's inviting you to kind of lay down later. So that's the first one that
0: I want to stop you for a second. Sorry, you say it, so, like, the reasoning for doing it so beautifully. The reason I make my bed is not for that reason. But I'm going to start saying that from now on because that sounds better. But the <laughs> reason is because, like, I have some issues with control. My ass kickers know that, like, that's my biggest struggle. And I feel like my house is, like, such a shit <laughs> bomb because I have two children. <laughs> so I'm like, well, then it's actually my entire bedroom. I am, like, a stickler for my bedroom being neat. Like, yes. that is... There's, you know, there's papers on the dining room table and there's crumbs underneath the, the, where uh. my kids sit from toast that morning. But at least my bed is made and there's not dirty laundry all over the floor. And I've just given up at this point. And I put my husband's shoes away for him because he can't seem to do it himself. I just, you know, I'm surrendering to that.
2: But, like, that's the reason I do it. It's, for me, it's control. But again, I like your, well, my mom would say that she would say, if you make your bed every day, at least there's one spot in the house that, you know, is clean. And I know (laughs) it's peaceful. Yeah, it is. It's peaceful. But I believe too, that if you start to do these things, then it layers on, you know, it becomes, if I make the bed, then I sort of have this cue that the next secret ritual is put on Pandora and go to the dishes, I don't have a dishwasher, go stand at the sink and sing and do dishes and think about, you know, what I'm going to write that day or or whatever. So it doesn't just become that I have to do the dishes again, again, like, are you serious? Three kids? It's ridiculous. They use a cup for every glass of water that they drink. <laughs> that. No, but if it becomes a sacred ritual, can actually be rather enjoyable and you can kind of lose yourself and it becomes almost like meditation. So it's all these different things that cue us into the next. And I have ADD, so I'm all over the place. Like I could start the dishes and then do this. Creating these sacred rituals are really about keeping time and rhythm so that we don't have the overwhelm. It's catching it before it happens and giving ourselves a lot of white space, a lot of space to. We're the daydreamers, right? We can sit down and stare out a window for a really long time. We can just sort of get lost. We need that. Without that, we just don't function You know, we're not highly functional if we don't give ourselves those things. So the sacred ritual for me is sort of the key to all of it.
0: I love that. I've never talked to anyone about that. And I'm so glad that I asked you. And for anyone listening, if you are like, oh, my God, I'm a highly sensitive person. I need to know more. Or you want to know more about rituals, all of the show notes and links to the stuff we've been talking about and back to Hannah's site is at yourkickasslife.com forward slash 97. And so I'm going to wrap it up here in a minute, but I have one more question for you. And you didn't know I was going to ask you this. It's a question I ask all of my guests. I would love to know what surprises you
2: about the work you do with women. What surprises me the most is how quickly change can happen. It never ceases to fascinate me. That someone who's been working for, you know, five years can come into a circle with other women who are lifting them up and supporting them and do a few prompts. And the change is so fast that it almost like sweeps them off their feet. And that reminds me that, you know, anything is available to us, we can seek, we can discover, we can grow, we can change. And, and we can do it all inside of chaos and crazy making, which, you know, most of our lives are. So for me, that that's really what surprises me the most, just how beautifully this access is available to us to make these changes. It's just the biggest joy to witness.
0: Oh, I love that. Every single answer I get from people is completely different. And mm-hmm. every single one is okay. completely beautiful. So thank you for that.
2: Yeah, thank you for asking. that. So everyone,
0: you're at com And you teach group classes. And you still take private clients? I'm starting to recently. Yes. Okay. And again, you guys, the easiest way to find the work that Hannah does, if you are having trouble spelling her name or anything like that, yourkickasslife.com forward slash 97, They're direct links to Hannah's social media stuff. So you can start following her and reading her blog and consume everything that you can about this wonderful lady that I'm so glad I finally, for everyone listening, Hannah and I have known each other and been in like these like small coaching circles for five years now or something. right? I know <laughs> we've never spoken. I'm just, I'm so glad. Thank you I'm for being so here. glad too. It's so nice to hear your voice. I know. I know. Yay. I wish you were here so I could hug you. But everyone, please, 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 if you haven't already, go to Hannah's site and check her out. And next week I will be back for a solo episode. And until next time, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.